Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into A Storm of Swords, Tyrion 2, your favorite dwarf and mine. Yeah, you know, hey, this is a good chapter because mm-hmm. a while back uh, we did some episodes over on YouTube about like Boris Blunt you know who's poisoning him this is where like the kettle blacks begin to really come in more and like and it's, there's just a lot of interesting scheming things that actually go on inside this chapter and you begin to see sort of threads and it really raises a lot of questions jimmy like i mean we'll learn right away hey shay tells Tyrion, vera showed me the secret way to get in here yeah, so... and also it's beyond noticeable that Shay is a scheming, backstabbing wench. <laughs> like I would, I, uh, use, I would use the word whore because that's what she uses quite yeah. often. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is her profession. Uh, in her in her own words, she's I certainly am... a pro. Yeah, and Shay is really she is still one of those ultra mystery characters, and I I like to actually reference back to her as. She is one of the things, one of the characters we should think about as we always begin to, pro- to project and think about Winds of Winter and all of the theories we hope we're going to get answered. She's one that's been start and finish that we'll never get. Like, really, what is her backstory? Where did she come from? Because yeah. there's a lot of interesting things going on. Was she working with Tywin the entire time? We don't know. Yeah, it, 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 is, a, it is a lot to be asked um, about where... She truly comes from what her true motivations are. But I do think that this chapter does give um, the most obvious evidence at this to this point that she is a climber and that she is absolutely taking advantage of Tyrion. I feel dumb that I ever fell for Shay and Tyrion's relationship like prior reads. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, as you reread, you start to see the clues a little bit more clear. And it is told from Tyrion's perspective. So you believe that you want it to be true you want Tyrion to have love you know we can we, we kind of cheer for this guy at least in the first three books and yeah it is evidence uh here in this chapter that she is after one thing and one thing only and that is well maybe not one thing she wants status and riches it seems so she was after two things yeah yeah so here we go so the chapter dives in i'll read the summary here and then we'll 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 dive into it Tyrion is waiting in varus's room as the eunuch walks in the spider reveals that tywin lannister meant to restore pycelle as grand maester since the archmaesters of the citadel claim that only the conclave can unmake the grand maester when the conclave meant to send maester gorman lord tywin acted at once not wishing another tyrell on the small council Tyrion is surprised to learn that Varys has whispers even in the Citadel, where the Conclave always meets in secrecy. He finds out Boris Blunt has been restored to the Kingsguard and that Mandamore has been brought to King's Landing by John Aaron. Had been. Uh, Tyrion asks Varys to bring Shay to the eunuch's chambers so that no one will notice their meeting. He realizes that he cannot trust Varys any further, but hopes to use him this one last time. When he meets Shay, he means to send her away to protect her from his father, but Tyrion once again cannot bear to part with her. He also knows he must deal with the singer Simon Silvertongue if he means to keep Shay in King's Landing. Yeah, so this is where... I mean, this is Tyrion now is going to half. This is kind of like the start of Tyrion's downfall. Yes, it is. It's his descent. hundred <laughs> percent. He was told, do not bring Shay to King's Landing. And Tyrion made a lot of enemies. And now we're seeing the you know results of that right yeah and he he brought down the wrath of his father on him for not listening uh we saw that in his first chapter of this where you know he goes and demands casterly rock and it doesn't sound like that's in the will uh i don't think that's going to happen for our our boy Tyrion. uh and it is very much about his his descent in this chapter and there's even a line whenever Tyrion talks about how he saw shay um, and she didn't know that he had seen her, but essentially a young knight had offered to carry some water that she was carrying up some stairs. And he said it put his his uh, stomach into knots. And it says here they passed within inches of each other, him, Tyrion, descending and her, Shay, climbing. 
so close that he could smell clean and fresh scent of her hair. So I just think it's really interesting. The phrase him descending and her climbing where she is clearly working the ladder to come up through the ranks and Tyrion is in fact descending. I think that that's a very purposeful line by George. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think there's also, and I have to dive into a, uh, I didn't highlight it and I'll try to pull it up here. I think there's a part two where they're also talking about like a bear dancing and it just kind of reminds you of like the bear, the maiden fair. Right. And there's a lot of uh, imagery that comes, that comes with that. But I would say my, my one big sort of takeaway from this chapter is the fact that Varys let Shay use these tunnels. And now Shay knows about these sort of secrets in the Red Keep. Mm-hmm. I guess, how does that ultimately play? You know, where, how does that ultimately play in to the, to the whole scenario? Because there's a lot of moving pieces here. Is Shay ultimately, you know, in the grand scheme of things, working for Tywin? Because, like, the fact that she shows up in Tywin's, bed chambers at the end when Tyrion <clears throat> is it is in there was she working with him the whole time and if and if so was she playing Varys or perhaps was she planted at that battle by Varys knowing that Tyrion would make the decisions he makes yeah and, and also let's let's not forget that Tyrion was out for about a month and while he was out it seems like Varys had been keeping track and, and he straight up says, uh, well, who's spying on me? Who does my father have spying on me? And Varys said, well, me, little Lord. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. Uh, obviously, Varys has done uh, a lot of positive things for Tyrion. So Tyrion thinks that this isn't that big of a deal. But Varys has had pretty much untethered access or, you know, any kind of restriction on ex- assessing Shay in the last month while Tyrion's been k- KO'd. So Varys continues to be to be a uh, question. And you're talking about these secret passages. Uh, I think Varys lies in this chapter about some secret passages, if, if I'm understanding this correctly. Because yeah. um, Varys says, uh, nothing would please me more talking about bringing Shay to Tyrion's room said King Magor wanted no rats in his own walls. If you take my meaning, he did require a means to secret egress. Should he ever be trapped by his enemies? But that door does not connect with any other passages. But is that not the same egress that leaves from the castle that Tyrion takes at the end of the book and does have access to Tywin's room through that? I mean, right here, it says it says so even when Varys is disclosing some secrets here, I think he is still withholding information from Tyrion. Uh, so we can't we can't trust Varys uh, as much as we would like to, I think. Well, I mean, I, so there's a question. So when Tyrion does take this at the end, obviously through Varys's help and here he's saying, no, there isn't actually do it. There isn't a way to do it. Varys has to know that Tyrion is going to kill his kill Tywin Lannister, which. Oh, yeah. Remember, at the end of A Dance with Dragons, Varys is talking to Kevin Lannister. Mm hmm. So one could make the argument and he tells them all the stuff about young Griff and he's the real deal and everything. So one might need to wonder, is this whole thing, Shay, the whole Shay arc done by Varys as a means to call to initially, let's say initially to sow dissent amongst the Lannisters who he's going to have to take out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to, if for him to actually potentially fulfill his whole idea of bringing young Griff over and whether he is or is not the real deal to get that whole thing orchestrated. He's going to have to take out the Lannisters. So I guess what I'm suggesting is if Varys is the one who put Shay at that battle in at the end of a game of Thrones so that Tyrion would meet her and then he's going to bring his whore to court, even after Tywin says, no, maybe Varys knows Maybe, uh, maybe he knows that Tyrion is going to be the one who gets sent because it's the only person Tywin Lannister can trust to actually run things because mm-hmm. he doesn't need Tyrion on the battlefield. And Tywin's going to have to be fighting this war because Jamie's now captured. 
I mean, it's like it could be an ultimate scheming move from a character that we do believe is an ultimate schemer. We just haven't seen anything of this level. And then, hey, here's the secret passage. You can go kill Shay. Now I don't have to deal with her anymore. Perhaps revealing any secrets about me. Also killing Tywin Lannister. And now I can ship Tyrion off. There's even more dissent. Because remember, the next thing that happens when you go into a feast for crows is Cersei's like going crazy. Remember, Cersei mm -hmm. thinks Tyrion is literally hiding in the walls, and she like starts torching. Uh, <laughs> the, she's like, unhinged. Yeah, yeah. She starts torching rooms and all any secret passageway she can find. She's just like burning stuff because she thinks that mm -hmm. Tyrion is literally hiding in there and going to come out and kill him, kill her kids. Yeah, and you know it doesn't even have to go all the way back. Like Shay ends up at court with Tyrion, and Varys says, "Oh, let's see what I can do with this." Like even if it all that is organic to that moment. Varys could very well be changing plans on the fly. I'm 100% with you. I think he was sowing discord within the Lannister family. I think he intended to use Tyrion after he saw how capable Tyrion was as Hand of the King. And, uh, you know, if Daenerys and, and Fagon were to come over and then they had a representative from the Lannister family, you know, and also a veteran of Blackwater Bay, the Battle of Blackwater Bay, it does smooth the transition of changing the throne over as well. So uh, I think when Varys uh, takes him through those secret chambers at the end of this book, I think he full well intends for, for what happens to, to Tywin. And I think he also knows that, that Shay is there for sure. Okay, so let me just look something up here real quick. Okay, so Tyrion meets Shay in chapter 62. I guess what I'm wondering is, because remember, Varys is talking to Ned. In the dungeons, yep. So when does Ned die? Ned dies in an Arya chapter, mm -hmm. right? Arya 5, I think it is. E maybe. Yeah, Arya 5. Okay, which is chapter 65. So it's not too far after. So... Uh, what did I just say was the Tyrion chapter 62. So Ned is captured before that happens. Ned is like in the cells talking to Varys before Shay shows up at that battle. Hmm. So and remember, he uh, Varys has a conversation with Ned about like, I think you should, you know, give yourself up and take the black. Does he know? I mean, he looks super shot. Obviously, you know, you can't compare. It's hard to compare the show and uh, and I and obviously the books and, it's, and especially the book is told to us through Arya's point of view. So she's not like looking directly at, say, Varys. And it could be done for a dramatic effect. But in the show, Varys looks like I mean, he looks like surprisingly shocked that Joffrey actually goes through with having him beheaded. But in the book, Varys, he might think this kid's a monster and he's going to do it anyway. No, I, 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 so I, I'm pretty firm believe that Joffrey is the only person that knew. I, I feel like it is such a wild card because it's such a bad move. Like it is such a, oh, yeah, thing it's, to do. yeah, it's so stupid. Um, now does it play into what Varys and Illyria are trying to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I feel like Joffrey is the only one that knew that. That, that, that's my belief. I think Varys was genuinely surprised. Yeah, I guess maybe because I guess that's the only way you could get it to be potentially that it was a bear who set up Shay from the get go. Now, yeah. as you said, it could be organic. And once she mm -hmm. shows up, all right, now he's got a now he's got a different plan. Yeah, I don't think Varys likes Tyrion at first. I think I think Tyrion well, bears his respect. And there does seem to be like an odd friendship here. Um, you know, it, it's not full of trust and they're both working toward towards their own means. But, you know, hey, Varys does save Tyrion's life and then send him to Essos. Now, that happens to be exactly where he wants him to be for his plans to go over well. But, you know, he does. He saves his life. And Varys risks his own life in a lot of ways because he's basically MIA in Feast for Crows. He shows up in the last chapter, but Cersei wants him brought in chains in front of her. 100. And so Varys does risk some stuff for Tyrion. I think he, I think he believes Tyrion is a... A uh, good person to have in the Red Keep. And I also think that he thinks Tyrion is, you know, worth it for the risk. So there's definitely some respect there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to keep an eye. We'll just have to keep an eye on that because I guess I, I just think, wonder about that of like, I, Shay to me is still one of the biggest mysteries and, and we'll never know. Uh, you know, we'll never know unless 
it is ultimately Varys who did who did place her there, or perhaps he was. Yeah, unless that was revealed in some like Tyrion Varys conversation in like the final book, right? Um, right, that Varys has been like the ultra super master. The grand Varys conspiracy is even bigger <laughs> than you know than we thought. But I would you would have to know that Varys would probably think that Tyrion could get in trouble for having Shay there. Oh yeah, and oh, so yeah. here he is helping Tyrion see Shay. Hmm. Which he knows might cause chaos. Yes, I think he is definitely a sower of chaos in the Red Keep for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is aware that Tywin takes whores to bed and then says, "Well, I got the perfect one for you, my lord," <laughs> and brings Shay. Like, I, I won't be surprised if, like, maybe we don't get all the confirmation of where it started, but like him being like, "I placed her in his rooms that night." Like, right? Maybe, maybe. And, yeah. and a lot of people think that Shay poisoned Tywin. A lot of people think she she was working with um, the Martell. I mean, there, there's a lot of crazy Could things be. around Shay. I don't know if we'll ever truly know. And I think one of the reasons why we may never truly know is because when I read this chapter, one of the things that jumped out to me, uh, there is n- I don't think there's ever a Tyrion Shay chapter like where they interact where he doesn't think of Taisha. And mm-hmm. I actually think that Tyrion's relationship with Shay is more about his trauma from uh, Taisha than it actually is ever about Shay. And especially when you read this chapter with all the context and, and the information, and you know that Tyrion is being played as a fool, it, it really comes home that like it almost feels like Tyrion wants to be blinded to, to, to how bad he's being used here. Um, and you, know, you could argue that he's also using Shay as a means to getting over Taisha. But I, I really think that this the whole relationship with Shay is actually more about Tyrion and Taisha and how that went down. I think if it wouldn't have been Shay, it would have been another girl. It would have been another, you know, camp follower. Yeah. Well, let's dive in uh, to some some of the uh, some of the dialogue here. So, uh, as it starts here, the eunuch was humming timelessly or tunelessly to himself as he came through the door, dressed in flowing robes of peach-colored silk and smelling of lemons. Oh, uh, when he's oh, there, we go. <laughs> when he's on Tyrion seated by the hearth. He stopped and grew very still. My lord Tyrion come out in a, uh, came out in a squeak, punctuated by a nervous giggle. So you do remember me, I had begun to wonder. It is so very good to see you looking so strong and well, Varys smiled, his slimiest smile. <laughs> Though I confess, I had not thought to find you in mine uh, own humble chambers. They are humble, excessively so, in truth. Tyrion had waited until Varys was summoned by his father before sipping... Uh, slipping in to pay him a visit. The eunuch's apartments were sparse and small, three snug windowless chambers under the north wall. I'd hoped to discover a bushel baskets of juicy secrets to while, you know, to while away the waiting, but there's not a paper to be found. He'd search for hidden passages too, knowing the spider must have ways of coming and going unseen, but those had proved equally elusive. There was water in your flagon. Gods have mercy, he went on. Your sleeping cell is no wider than a coffin, and that bed is actually made of stone. Or does it only feel that way? So, I will say, uh, one of my favorite theories <laughs> comes from a lot of that dialogue right there. Oh, no. The Varus is a merman theory. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Which is a bigger theory than you might realize. Okay. <laughs> How is he getting all this information so fast from Essos? He's swimming. Well, Tyrion finds it interesting that there's water, not wine in there. (laughs) And water is not something you really drink during this time period. Yes. Because it's to actually to access, you know, clean water is not really easy to do. I know we know, you know, you just boil it if you have to and then get the salt out of there. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's like something that everyone's doing every day to drink water. That's why they all drink wine. That's why they did in real life. Well, they they drink wine all the time because it's easier to make clean wine than it is to get clean drinking water. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. He did. Preach it. So, <laughs> so then he says, you know, your bed is made of stone, or does it only feel that way? You know. So a lot of people assume that Varys actually may not even might not even have a bed. Why yeah. is it? And later in this chapter, we find out that it's kind of like booby trapped and Shay thinks it's magic, which mm-hmm. Tyrion's like, you silly, silly. Girl. Well, it could be. It could be. So anyway, that's where a lot of that's where some of that 
uh, takes here. So he says, I would have taken you for a feather bed, man. He's like, I am full of surprises. And you cross me uh, for abandoning you after the, after the battle. So, you know, and then they then they go on a little bit here. You know, and then he says, then he comments on his nose, you know, your poor nose. Tyrion rubbed irritably at the scab. Perhaps I should have a new one made of gold, which mm. is also kind of interesting because we just talked a lot about last week about Jamie, even though he hasn't lost his hand yet is commenting on the wrist, the shackles on his wrist and how it sort of hurts and it's causing him all these issues. And we've talked Same. about a lot about how the chapters following chapters, like George puts them in a certain order for a reason. And uh, Matt, I know somebody else that later replaces something with gold. Oh, Jamie's mm -hmm. hand. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And that's what, that's one of the things, again, I talk about it. It's easier when we keep bringing it up on the podcast, but I feel like a lot of people, when they go back, especially a lot of, you know, as we're all like diehards here in the podcast is we typically do POV reads. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and I feel like that's what the community does is they're like, well, they're just going to do a POV read of this character and you miss out on stuff like that. Or when you're doing theories, like when people do any of like the great, you know, obviously like all the great theories that are on Reddit and YouTube and everything, they're all still sort of viewed by these like point of view perspective, yeah. not, a chronological a yeah. perspective. So that's one of the things I really like here. It just as guys, we talked about a, a few, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about like just the first opening chapters, when you read it one by one by one, and you're getting all these different people's different points of view and figuring out like, here's where everything's starting. And this person's here, 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 and here. They're all in a new set of circumstances in a new book. And Tyrion here, same thing. I mean, he's in a totally, he was flying high. And now he's about as low as you can get. Yeah. And, and we're talking about ordering of chapters and the whole picture. Remember last week when we were going over Jamie's chapter, which I believe was Jamie two or three. Um, Jamie two. Yeah. Jamie two. We talked about how he kept repeating in his head how he was going to wrap chains around the wench's neck. And we said, hey, that's how Shay dies. And then the following chapter, Tyrion and Shay. These mm -hmm. things are George is a reviser. He revises as he goes. He rewrites chapters. Um I think a lot of this stuff is on purpose and uh, it's, it's cool to see. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people point here is another sort of line, just a few lines down of where we were, who they talk about Grandmaster Picel a little bit there, but as you continue here, uh, bloody fools thought Tyrion. I seem to recall that Megor the cruel's headsman unmade three, uh, unmade three with his axe he's talking about like the maesters yeah quite true vera said and the second aegon fed grand maester giardis to his dragon alas i am quite dragonless uh, i suppose i could have dipped pycelle in wildfire and set him ablaze you know with the citadel have for her at that so there's another line too and i love pointing all these little things out that they're the Tyrion targaryen theory which is like probably the biggest Tyrion theory out there there's another little piece of that that a lot of people point to yeah and it also mentions the conclave because they're talking about Pycel being rest, uh, restored as grand maester and the conclave is actually only mentioned here only in the main series mm -hmm. and the conclave is uh kind of a behind closed doors council who appoints and replaces grand maesters but also these are the people that send out the white birds whenever the seasons change which is really really cool uh, and you know, the conclave says Grandmaster Grandmaster Picel should be taken out. They propose two lowborns and then they propose a high garden, um, Grandmaster. And Tywin he gets wind of this and says no. And then all of a sudden, Picel's fine to be restored. So the conclave is corrupt, is all I'm saying. Uh, they're oh, obviously taking direction from, from somebody else. And we hear about all this because Varys is clued in, he knows. And Tyrion thinks to himself, so Varys has little birds in the Citadel too, which as we know, the prologue for his Feast for Crows, we get some Citadel action here. We get we get uh, some Old Town stuff. Varys has his fingers all over this, like this series. Like he is everywhere. Yeah. And, it, you know, the, and it's one of the things I love about Varys because it's Varys feels schemy. And just the way George, I think it's just, again, so much of it is point of view. Mm -hmm. You sort of compare, say, Littlefinger to Varys. Varys comes across as schemy, really kind of as a spider. I mean, it's you just because he's so much of it's like Tyrion chapters. 
when Varys does something, you're like, it catches Tyrion off guard. So the way it sort of seems is it's like really devious or mm-hmm. real that much more impressive because it like Tyrion is the one figuring it out who we view as somebody who is himself very smart and very devious. Even so though it's sort being, of uh, simped out right now by Shay. Yes. <laughs> so it sort of raises, I think Tyrion to make Tyrion seem that, or it raises Varys, excuse yes. me, because it's through Tyrion's point of view, it makes Varys seem that much more sort of like powerful on the flip side. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Littlefinger, you know, when we first meet him, it's in Catelyn and Ned chapters. And you're just like, he's this low life who's just like a terrible person who's like climbing his way up, who clearly just wants to bed Catelyn. Right. And so it's and then it's all um, Sansa chapters. Mm-hmm. So the way we view them is totally different. But even uh, there's even a Jamie chapter which I, I I have to pull it up, but where Jamie talks about like who they could make like hand of the King at, at some point, it's like later in a dancer or feast. And he even Littlefinger even runs into his mind. And he's like, no, he's a joke. Like that's literally what he thinks. So like everyone's always undervaluing Littlefinger, but we mm-hmm. know Littlefinger is very, you know, devious as well. So it's just, in, it's, it is, game, it's, yeah. it, it's just interesting. Again, this is because it's all point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of like, ra- you know, some people are raised or lower, lowered because of who's describing them. And that's something that's, interesting to think about with Varys. Yeah, it's really great writing. And, and you know, you bring up a good point. It's like Varys is a smart character and not because we've been told maybe a little bit like people hint at it. But we see Varys on screen being very crafty and all of a sudden disappearing when Shay and Tyrion turn around. And, but also with Tyrion, we see Tyrion do smart things in this chapter, like go change his clothes um, because he doesn't want to be recognized. Like, why would I be dressing up fancy to go see Varys? Like people are going to understand that something's up. So one thing George does, and I see a lot of other authors struggle with this is that they'll say, Oh, I have a smart character. This character is so clever and crafty. And they tell you, this is my clever and crafty character. He is so clever and crafty. And you're like, okay, but he's doing normal things. His dialogue is just the same as everyone else's. George does a wonderful job of actually showing us that these characters are intelligent or schemy or whatever they may be. And sometimes even he'll play with that even a little bit further and he'll have you think, and, and this happens all the time. People say Cersei is such a you know good court politician, but you read Feast for Crows and you're like, she's an idiot. Like she is struggling to keep up. In fact, she's terrible at the Game of Thrones in in many ways. So I don't know. It's just funny. You do have to take that perspective into uh, into account whenever we're talking about like where people rank in in the uh, the realm of how smart they are and how well they play the Game of Thrones. But also, you know, George does show us these things at times. And uh, I think that that's one of the strongest suits of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me let me dive into some other things here. So just a little bit down. Right. We were talking about the conclave uh, Mm -hmm. and Boris, you know, Boris Blunt was mentioned. So uh, so I want to bring this one up to here. So sadly said. uh, So here we go. So Braun had turned up all he could on Sir Mandon, but no doubt Varys knew a deal more. See, again, they're sort of Mm -hmm. tightening him up like because Tyrion thinks, oh, he should know a deal more. 
should he choose to share it. The man seems to have been quite friendless, Tyrion said. Sadly, said Varys, oh, sadly, you might find some kin if you turned over enough stones back in the Vale, but here Lord Aaron brought him to King's Landing and Robert gave him his white cloak, but neither loved him much, I fear, nor was he the sort of the small folk cheer attorneys, despite his undoubted uh, prowess. Why even his brothers of the Kingsguard never warmed to him. Sir Barristan had once heard him, him say to the man, had no friend, but the sword and no life, but duty. But, you know, I do not think Salmi meant it altogether as praise, which is queer when you consider it. Those are not the quality. Those are the very qualities we seek in our Kingsguard. It could be said men who live not for themselves, but for their king. By those lights, our brave Sir Mandon was the perfect white knight, and he died as a knight of the King's Guard ought, with sword in hand, defending one of the king's own blood. The eunuch gave him a slimy smile and watched him sharply. Trying to murder one of the king's own blood, you mean? Tyrion wondered if Varys knew rather more than he was saying. So, there's a lot to unpack there, really. There's a ton. Be there's so much to unpack there. On one hand, here again is you have Varys, who might know, remember, Sir Man and Moore was the one that tried to go kill Tyrion during the Battle of the Blackwater. And um, there's also a little bit of like Jamie in here, I feel like. Because remember, we talked like last week we talked about Jamie and Jamie talking about how when he actually killed the Mad King, he didn't do it as a Kingsguard. He took off his cloak and everything. And now mm -hmm. here's another thing where they're talking about trying to kill one of the King's own blood. A member of the Kingsguard trying to kill, um, you know, one of the members of the King's own blood, which in this case is Tyrion, because so. Yeah, there's definitely like some interesting like parallels here. And like, again, it's all about the way George puts things in your perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it, it, this one was a little bit hard. Like I was like, I feel like there's more to this clearly. And maybe we're not meant to have it all at this moment. Uh, but it, it feels like a paragraph or two that's kind of chocked full of subcontext. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So it just sort of, con it sort of continues on here and their, their conversations continues. So he says, I want you to bring me Shay. Varys took a drink. Is that wise? My Lord, the dear sweet child, it would, the dear sweet child, it would be such a shame if your father hanged her. Right. Uh, and then Tyrion's the one who ultimately in a real, in a real way hangs her. Um, yeah. If you uh, kind of, so, you know, it did not surprise him that Varys knew. So Varys does know that Tywin, but again, you could, I guess you could just assume Tywin wouldn't like that, but no, it is not wise. It's bloody madness. I want to see her one last time before I send her away. I cannot abide her. You know, I can't abide having her so close. So uh, here we go. So it sort of continues uh, on and then uh, she's going to come in, right? Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna come in, drop the towel. She's not wearing anything underneath. The classic date night move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All in the uh, the sexy ambience of Varys's chambers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, of course, then you know they hook up. Now there is something kind of interesting here because sort of afterwards, when Tyrion's supposed to be sending her away. They he she's sort of talking about like going to this like you know event like this the, the royal wedding and talking about getting a dress and stuff and then Tyrion's like well I'm going to send you away and she immediately sort of like loses interest. Yes, and not to mention literally as soon as he is done, uh, mm -hmm. she climbs off and immediately, immediately. Uh, she says she doesn't fear Tywin says, will my Lord give me back my jewels and my silks. Now she's immediately wanting her, her, her expensive clothes and jewelry back. I asked Varys if I could have them when you were hurt in the battle, but he wouldn't give them to me. What would have become of them? If you died, she literally in this sentence basically is like, well, if you die, not that not, I would lose my giant of Lannister. She's saying, well, where would have my nice stuff that been Mr. Tyrion. So, like I, it's just so blatantly obvious that he, she doesn't love him and that uh, she's no. a pro at what she's doing. And when I read this, like I've read this book like eight times now, and I just was, this is one of the most heartbreaking, like 
scenes for me now, uh, you know, because I'm kind of desensitized to the big moments. It's like right there, right there. Tyrion should have known. But his response was, I didn't die. Here I am. Yeah. It's like, damn, Tyrion. You're, you're getting you're getting played and yes she's obsessed with going to the royal wedding she says There's, they're gonna have a dancing bear i've never seen the dancing bear Tyrion, very funny he says uh actually dances worse than me or maybe as worse as me or something like that it's kind of funny but she's obsessed with being dressed up in this gown going to this royal wedding making an appearance and i really like the little subcontext and i feel like this is one of the moments where Tyrion is like being real with himself. Cause she said, no one will know the difference. And he, in, in his mind says, Oh, they'd know like they, they know you're a prostitute. Uh, yeah. Cause he they knows definitely, yeah. that there's no yeah. chance you'll ever be a lady. Like, like uh, a, you know, a high born lady. It's just never going to happen. And there is in his mind, there is a difference. It actually kind of shows a little bit of the classism that Tyrion still has in him from being part of a Royal family too. So this interaction is fantastic. And also, you know, heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that Tyrion is with, you know, you go jump way ahead that he's in a dance of dragons. He's with uh, Jorah Mormont who mm -hmm. kind of goes through like the same thing, just a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of flip side because he, it is actually a highborn wife, but he can't afford her essentially. Yeah. The only difference is, is that one of them would be totally fine with sleeping with an underage girl and Tyrion did not like, <laughs> legally right. in Westeros. So yeah, but let us not forget that Jorah Mormont is kind of a creep. <laughs> right. Well, is it just, is it just Daenerys that he loves or is it? I think, I think Jorah's just the <laughs> like, well, he's is like she... one of those characters that like, if you read him in the book, like for what he is in the book, it's, it's kind of astounding that, in the show, he was considered to be, you know, not a like a rough looking older guy. A lot of people felt so bad for him whenever he is, uh, you know, he's sent away, right? Because he's right. kind of trying to correct it, his deed of trying to basically kill. Well, I mean, he's a, it's hard because it's hard because the age, the age differences in yes. the, in the in the show, right? Yeah, it's a totally different character yeah. because of that, right? Like, right. She's well, also, show, it's like, eh. well, it's also like in the books he's just i mean he's just an old he's an old man like he's not he doesn't like he doesn't he's like isn't he that kind of bald too in the books? he's balding he, he's, and he's, yeah. he's described as not very very uh handsome and he's a creep yeah i mean in the show i mean it's still ian what's it, ian glenn is that his name right yeah, um he's a good looking guy yeah i mean he's freaking batman in like <laughs> i mean he in titans so i mean like obviously you don't like get to be like Bruce Wayne or Batman, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're not a good-looking guy, like it just doesn't. That just doesn't happen. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the aging up, the casting, you know, the Hollywoodification of it all. Like it really does paint a different Jorah Mormont because in the book he is just straight up creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the age. I guess the the age thing, though. I mean, obviously, in our world, you know, if you're uh you know over 18 you're trying to date anyone under 18 it's definitely you know viewed as weird i mean we view like 19 year olds dating 17 year olds as weird like that's hey, illegal bro you can't you can't do that you know what i mean when I was like, like 25 i couldn't relate to 21 year olds i was like everyone's no too no young. no but in like the game of thrones universe i mean how because isn't daenerys the same age as like john no she's older so she's like 16 17 Right I think now, she right? is 16 in a dance with dragons turning 17. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I mean, but it's still Jorah's hitting on like... her in like book two. Jorah is like, well, I know that. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's still weird. It's, it's, yeah. even, it's even like, great. even like, cause I guess, you know, like 14 year olds in game of Thrones, like get married and stuff like that. But mm. yeah, it's, it's still weird. Yeah. It's, nope. I was trying to even think of like for a second, like, nah, it's still weird. <laughs> It's just it's not a good look, but you're right. You know, Jorah and Tyrion do share like this, this heartbreak that they have. Um, I just feel like Jorah has but the, fundamentally broken in him. You know, right. Tyrion honestly was played as a fool. Like Tyrion didn't do anything to deserve Taisha. And that's why he's more sympathetic than Jorah, in my opinion. Like he had that done to him and Jorah did get taken to the cleaners. Uh, you know, it was basically like a bad divorce almost. 
Um, so you know that's sad, but then you just yeah. See- I mean, so Sansa, to be fair, is thirteen. <sighs> so you know, I mean, that's that's a that's kind of a big difference. <sighs> and Sansa still also is like you know. I mean, she's also still like a young girl who's singing songs and, you know, sewing, doing needlework, whereas Daenerys is like lead where Daenerys is like leading an army. You know, I mean, like there's 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 I'm still not there's there's definitely. Yeah. So there is definitely a difference. Like if Sansa were 16 with Tyrion. Well, and also like, let's let's not. You know, let's not forget that Tyrion's a monster in a dance with dragons, and right. he essentially abuses, you know, one of uh, the girls at the uh, at the brothel. So, you know, Tyrion Tyrion's not innocent either, and he has a lot of faults. Uh, and and you're right, they are tied. The fact that Jordan Tyrion do come together, and they happen to be two bro- heartbroken simps, essentially. Uh, you yeah. know, it is it, it is good for the mirroring. Uh, mirroring. I actually saw, and this is I'm I'm going to take this a total left turn real quick. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I saw something today on the purest Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, and someone said that, that basically someone proposed a question: is is Fagon fake or real? And someone said he's fake. John is or uh, he's fake because he's Ned and Ashara's son. And it's this interesting thing where you have Ned Stark's bastard who believes he is king, which would be young Griff. And then you have what is thought to be Ned Stark's bastard who is actually the king, but he's not the bastard. So it's like a mirror and a flip. And, uh, you know, that obviously has to have. So Septa Lamore would be um, a shark. That could work. That could work, by the way. Yeah, I think there's I think I mean, it's definitely a fun thing. And we do know George likes to draw parallels and mirrors between characters. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit, you know, of young Griff essentially actually being Ned Stark's bastard and not being king, even though he thinks he's king. And then John's the opposite. I just I thought that was interesting. Except the Lamore being, you know, we'll get into that when we're reading um, Dance of Dragons, I'm sure pretty heavy because there's evidence that seems fitting. And then there's also stuff that doesn't seem fitting for that. But uh I reason why I brought that up is because we're talking about the mirroring and Tyrion and right. story do mirror and they are very similar. And it's not a mistake that that George brought them together. Yeah, I mean, I think something's going to happen with them because we do. We, you know, I don't know that we'll meet Taisha, um, but it is believed we could meet like meet her at some point. Uh, the other thing is we could meet Jorah. We know Jorah's wife. Same thing. Like yeah. she's over in Essos somewhere. So I think we will meet one of them. I think it's probably more likely that we actually meet Jorah's wife, ex-wife. Because um, I feel like hey, there's a lot. Taish, if we ever met Taisha, it kind of takes away from like this. Yes. This, you know, thing. Again, Taisha is brought up in this chapter. And like Shay is sort of like a parallel of that in a way, but it's like, it's like this, it's like this piece that we don't really need ever need like closure on because it's just sort of a piece that Tyrion carries with him and it influences him. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jorah, I feel like it's the other way around where we don't really, he doesn't really talk about his wife that much, but we do know that it's part of this, you know, thing about him is why he's weirdly in love with Daenerys. So if you were to sort of meet her, he could like maybe get over her. And then he could go serve Daenerys like, you know, just as his queen and probably go out the same way he does in the show. Yeah, the reason why and I could see that happening, the reason why I don't think Taisha will happen in Winds of Winter or ever is because like Tyrion's got a lot to do in these final two books. And I right. just don't see like especially where he's at with the Golden Company and everything. I don't see how he diverts to meeting Taisha while Marine's being sieged and there's there's plague i I just don't i wouldn't want george to do it to be honest with you especially if he's really trying to do two books like we gotta we gotta go well what i what i think could happen and and a lot of it again comes from all this stuff with shay is if jorah meets his wife Mm -hmm. Tyrion being the one next to him could sort of like you know i be like i get it bro you know, I mean, yeah. you know, there's yeah. and it could be it could be now that he's past Taisha and Shay, it could be like Tyrion, I think, is going to be the one to actually help Jorah 
be his ultimate wingman and get over his ex mm-hmm. essentially um so i think like some of this stuff here is going to play in to what that that's going to happen because that's what because Jor, jorah's arc is different than it is in the show because in the in the yeah in the show that i think that's gonna be like john connington where he goes to the citadel and gets healed yes. so like that Jorah's stuff's going to be taking Jorah. place i think the connington stuff's going to be taking place while jorah is over marine like so right. it's going yeah, to be totally different yeah. totally yeah 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 totally yeah t- completely completely different but i mean jorah does need to sort of like figure his stuff out with the narrative do you think, think jorah makes it out of marine yeah i think he's gonna die i think he'll die i don't oh, think no. he'll come back well you know what i feel I think like jorah, i think jorah will go out the, i think jorah is gonna go out the same way he does in the show you think against the white walkers yeah uh just i just it not necessarily it doesn't have to be against the white walkers but it will be in some sort of final battle with Daenerys it's going to be another thing that Daenerys loses because while like you know obviously she goes crazy in the show but I do like and I because I actually think Daenerys is going to be the alt I think the way it's going to end is Daenerys is actually going to be the ultimate savior of Westeros yeah uh, and I've talked about and I've talked about this before. I think I think what's going to I think the best way to do it is well I don't know that it's going to be whether it's the like a Nisa Nisa thing or John has a stabber I don't know but I've sort of always felt that like, and her arc does kind of end that way in the show a little bit, not the same. And obviously she's now like the ultimate villain of Westeros, but I do think that Daenerys is not going to sit the iron throne. I don't think it's going to end with her sitting the iron throne. I think she's going to have to sacrifice things and she's going to be actually be like the ultimate savior of Westeros. Like she'll come over and she'll like help be the one to defeat the white walkers. And in doing so, she's going to lose like everything and even potentially the throne. But that's going to be like the ultimate sort of like cap on the Targaryen. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, will could still be alive and could be like John Targaryen or whatever. But I feel like his arc's probably going to be he's going to just like go off. I don't I don't see John sitting the throne at the end. No, no, I don't Either. think he's thrown. And I don't think Daenerys lives by the end of the show. I think Daenerys perishes. And, and I agree. I think she dies for the greater good and uh Aegon's prophecy right. all that stuff's gonna tie into it yeah like yeah that's I sort of feel like that's the whole deal is she's supposed to be the one to actually like save Westeros um and in doing so I think we're gonna have something pretty similar where she's gonna lose Jorah along like in that like sort of final like he's gonna he's I think he's gonna go out defending her because I just don't I just don't see why you would Jorah's death can o- the only Jorah's death can only be used in one of two ways, really. It can be used to anger Daenerys, or it can be used to like push Daenerys. Yeah, you know, yeah. get to put it in your terms, Jimmy. It's gonna help get her over. You yeah, know? It, it's, it's gonna. Put her I mean, over. It, it's gonna put her over. It has to. Yeah, and I also think that there is some sort of um, re. You know, it, it would be a nice payoff for Jorah as a character to come back to the land he was banished from, exiled from, right? Right. If he gets to come back to Westeros. So I actually and he's already not... in, and he's already in exile now. So I don't see him like going back and then getting sh- pushed pushed yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, but I do think, I think Tyrion's going to be the one to kind of help him because I I think we could see his ex wife, and I think that the Shea stuff could be the. This plus the Shay and Taisha stuff could be the stuff where he's like, look, I know I know what you're going through. Yeah. Which could also be may I don't know, maybe a turning point for Tyrion to kind of go back towards the good side. Cause Rez, you said he is kind of a monster. Because I mean, really, and it all starts here. Now it's like Tyrion's arc is like, okay, he's flying high, whatever. He gets knocked down a ne- a, a peg because of you know he gets captured and all that stuff but then he's still kind of flying high again and that boom now he's like bottomed out and then you didn't think it could get any lower and it goes like way lower so there's really only one for, way for Tyrion to go and that's back up yeah I, ha- I have a lot of feelings about Tyrion and I'm curious to see what I feel when we get to Dance of Dragons but I think that Tyrion might do damage to Danny's potential to be on the Iron Throne um I, I still believe he's going to burn Castle Rock. I've, I've, I've felt pretty strongly about that. Like, I, I don't know if Tyrion's ever coming back. Um, I think that he might just stay in, in this downward spiral, but maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. It's hard to say. And, and I'm sure George has probably changed his mind three or four different times. It always sticks with me that George in an interview once said that Tyrion was a villain. I always thought that was interesting. 
And when you read Dance of Dragons, you're like, yeah, he is kind of a villain, isn't he? Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see for in when wins comes out in November 2024. Hey, that's what we're saying, right? I've been plugging yeah. it for like 10 straight weeks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anything, anything else here that we want to want to hit on this chapter? I think we kind of got it all. I think we got it and we sufficiently went like way in left field like we always do. Um which is which is fine. Uh which, which yeah, which which is what we do. So yeah, I mean I, I, and I sort of pulled some of the tidbits from the thing. But yeah, so uh, as we said, the chapter ends basically with her uh getting really upset that he's not gonna that he's he's not gonna take her basically as his wife, right? Yeah, and you he know? wants Braun to go find this singer before someone else does. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, let me get up. I didn't update what the next chapter is. So let me go take a look at that. It's Aria. Okay. Is it Aria 2 or Aria 3? I believe that it is Aria 2. I am flipping back through this massive trade. You're correct. So that's, yes, that is where we will be, which is Aria 2. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, Jimmy and I are about, also about to go bust out a quick little fun extended edition over on Patreon and Apple Premium. So be sure to check that out as well. So as always, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing A Storm of Swords, Aria 2. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at bdkcast at gmail.com or bendtheneepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. <laughs>